Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. Hello there. My guest today has had a 25-year career in the corporate sector and is the founder and managing director of Pricemaker, helping businesses improve their pricing. Mark Peacock, it's a pleasure to be with you today. How are things for you and how are things going for Pricemaker? Yeah, morning, Alexa. Um, thank you for having me along today. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, things are going very well for me. Thank you, uh, to be honest. Um, as you can imagine, at the moment, there's a lot, there's lots of need and demand from various businesses to help with their pricing, and that's what we do. We help businesses improve and sort out their pricing strategies. So, uh, so yeah, business is good, uh, and I'm, I'm doing reasonably well. Thank you, but it's a pleasure to be. here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And can you go into a little bit more detail about what you do at Pricemaker and how you help businesses with their pricing plans? Yeah, I mean, it can be, there's lots of different ways. It depends on the requirements of the uh, of the client. So a, one client could be, um, well, my costs are going up and I, and I haven't put my prices up in a number of years. What do we do? How do we go about doing that? Uh, so I help put a plan together to help them communicate price changes to their customers. Uh, another requirement might be a client has got a new product, you know, and it's brand new and it's very different to what they normally sell and they don't know how to price it. So it's completely different um, area. So, for example, you know, a consulting business who's used to selling their time by the hour or by the day to come up with an online platform and they want to sell it as a, a subscription price uh, and they don't know how to do that um so yeah lots of different reasons why people might come to us um increasing prices coming up with a new price uh needing to improve their business performance and to think price could be better um uh, all those kind of things so that, that's what we do and we just help we have a um a standard methodology that i help people with it's a seven step process and we work through that basically so we look at uh, your goals, who your customers are, who your competitors are, and then we look at your product offering, your price, how you sell it, and then what that means for your profitability. So that's the that's the methodology that we use, and then we we go into detail in terms of how does each client, each business um, do all of those things, and then that helps us work out a new pricing strategy. So yeah, that's how we do it. <laughs> Brilliant. And if you could take your sharpest pin out of your toolbox and pop it in one of the myths that you have kind of come across in your experiences with pricing, what is the one that really grinds your gears? Well, I think I think the biggest fear that people have is putting their prices up, right? So um, it's one thing setting a price, and then you know. I can imagine many of your listeners getting to a place where they're just comfortable with their rates and then all of a sudden something happens and we've got to think about increasing our prices and people are really afraid of increasing prices and the reason people are afraid is because they are they don't want to upset their customers which is understandable uh, they don't have the competitors for reacts and they don't want to scare off potential new business in the future so for all of those good reasons, pricing becomes a very emotional subject. Mm. Uh, so the, the myth that I want to pop 
is to to not be afraid of increasing in pricing because actually there are lots of ways to do it that's ethical uh that's in line with customer fair value and, and can actually make you feel more confident about your pricing rather than it being the you know the scariest thing you've got to talk about you know at the end of a call with a customer um once you've done your review or whatever it is so yeah um not being afraid to increase your prices and more importantly than that you have to you have to do it every year because if you're not re- reviewing and increasing your prices your business would be going backwards mm. you know, not being afraid of increasing your pricing would be my top top tip i think I'm sure I'm not alone and I don't want to damage my own self-esteem or growth mindset here, but I am pretty useless when it comes to the marketing side. It's something that I tend to all think I'll do that tomorrow because it's not where my passion lies. I want to be in the creative arena as much as possible. So when it does come to thinking about those things, I, I sometimes get a little bit muddled. So can you explain if there is a difference, and if so, what it is between a pricing plan and a pricing strategy? So the pricing strategy comes first. Right? You need to know what your strategy is before you can devise your plan. The plan is how are we going to implement these new prices that we've come up with? So we'll come on to that in a second. But in terms of your pricing strategy, you need to be very clear on your price positioning. So you can liken this to, you know, um, how do how do your prices and your rates compare? How would you describe them in terms of supermarkets or car types or airlines? Yes, are you the uh, are you the the luxury end or are you at the budget end? And it doesn't really matter. There's no right or wrong, but you need to be very clear on what your price positioning is. So you might say, um, or somebody might say. Uh, well, I'm at the I'm at the cheap end of the market. I'm at the budget end because I want to attract a lot of customers, and I know that my market uh, is particularly price sensitive. Or you might operate at totally the other end of the scale, at the premium end, and say, Well, I charge a premium price because um, I've got X, Y, Z years of experience. I target customers and clients who are willing to pay a premium because. They value certain things about what I do, and they value those things more than price, right? It might be your reputation, it might be the service you offer, it might be it might be anything, but they are they are less price sensitive because they value the things that you do more than price. Or you might be somewhere in the middle, you know, and you might have a standard price positioning. So yeah, uh, we we aim to you know. Uh, we aim to um, fit in the middle of the market so that we can please as many people as possible. We don't want to be at the cheap end of the range. and We don't want to be at the top end of the range. So being clear on your price positioning is probably one of the most important things that you need to do. And the way to do that is just to write it down as a sentence and, and get comfortable with that. You know, so and almost have it as part of your company strategy you know put it in your business plan or whatever so you can say uh, well my business is um mark pop mark peacock singing tuition limited and we i aim to occupy a premium position uh premium price position in our market because we offer additional value and uh, customers come to us because of our expertise and our reputation so therefore our prices are always going to be more expensive than our nearest competitor for example or you could say, well, um, we we sit in the middle of the market. Uh, we offer a broad range of services, and we want to attract as many new customers as possible. 
uh, kind of like Tesco's, if you like. Uh, so we've got a, a wide range of services and our, and our prices are seen as good value for money uh, and so on. But, but being clear on that price positioning is probably the first thing I would say that people need to do and just write it down and then discuss it with a few people, with a few clients, with some, if you've got some friendly advisors uh, or anything like that and just say, does it make sense? Does this reflect who you think I am? And then how would you then encourage people to kind of implement that in? Okay, so once you're you're happy on your positioning, you, you then obviously you need to decide on the price point, mm. right? So whether it's an hourly rate, a day rate, or you're selling training courses, or you're doing events, or uh, whatever it is, you, you, need, you need to work out where do you sit on that price scale. So you need to actually set your prices. So take your direction from your price positioning statement. Obviously, you need to you need to be mindful of your competitors, but don't get overly hung up on your competitors. I do meet a lot of um, startups in particular who say, well, Mark, we don't know how to set our prices because we don't know what our competitors charge. Mm. Uh, I get why people do that because they're looking for a reference point. But I think it's more important to be really clear about the value of the product or the service that you offer and set your price in line with that first and then just double check it with any competitive prices. Mm. So, yeah, so set your prices, whether it's a day rate, an hourly rate, a package price, uh, a, a training event price or whatever. Um, and then if you're not sure on it, uh, my, my best advice is always start as high as you dare, mm-hmm. right? If you're not sure start as high as you possibly dare. Even if you think you take a bit of, bit of a deep breath and a gulp, I think, oh my God, can I really charge that? Look, it's far better to try and charge too much and fail than to end up with a low, a lower than uh, needed price point. If you, I, I don't know what the rates are in, in business in your industry, but let's say somebody's charging an hourly rate of, I don't know, £100 or whatever. Uh, but the premium rate is, is £400. So I do, you know, I dare you to try and stretch that price point as high as you possibly can, rather than saying, "Well, I'm going to be cheap and I'm going to charge eighty quid an hour because I want to attract loads of customers." The problem with that is you'll you'll, you'll end up stuck at that price point because all of your sales activities, your marketing activities, your clients, word of mouth, reputation, you'll come to be known as the cheap singing coach. Uh, whereas really you want to be at the other end of the scale and far better to set a high price fail and get it wrong and realize you've overpitched it and then bring it down from 200 to 150 or whatever rather than being stuck at the cheap end of the scale yeah and it's quite common for music teachers singing teachers voice teachers to have an hourly rate that they charge what goes into considering the hourly rate that you end up charging people what considerations do we need to make yeah it's um it's a good good question so um i think i think people often start with what costs do i need to cover when trying to answer this question and i think that's the wrong place to start to be honest with you i think a better question to ask is how much would my most valuable clients be willing to pay Mm. look back from there and can you give me some examples, Alexa, of what a typical hourly rates might be in your industry rather than me guessing? 
Yeah. So my current hourly rate is £40 an hour, but it depends. Um, there are people who are charging 150 if they're in London or maybe a little less. Um, okay. But yeah, my going off mine, mine's £40 an hour. Okay. okay. So um, well, how did you decide on that rate then? What, what, uh, what factors did you take into account? Let's just throw the question back at you and then we'll answer it. Sure. So when I first started teaching, I priced mine quite low and that was fully based on confidence and experience. So as a new teacher, Mm -hmm. um, I'd experienced as a performer, but not as a teacher. So it was very based on, oh, I can't charge that. The person you basically described just then. (laughs) Um, And then I've slowly pitched it up based on the training that I've had, the more experience that I've had, the, the kind of ladder that I've climbed I guess um so yeah that's how I went about it okay okay and that's quite quite typical I think mm-hmm. people think well I'm newly qualified I've just passed my my training exams or whatever I'm new on the market so therefore I can only charge a low price and equally I really need some clients you know I'm a bit desperate for work so let's keep my rates as low as possible what you're forgetting in that instance is that people are paying for the whole of your experience Mm. it's not just the fact that you only just passed your exams two months ago you said yourself you've been a performer before that so people will pay for singing lessons with you because you were previously a performer so they're buying the whole you not just the fact that you've only been doing it yourself as a freelancer for three to six months or whatever Mm. so you have to price that in Uh, I remember talking to uh, a lady who was just starting out in project management as a freelance project manager. And she'd been in the corporate world working for big banks. And she said exactly the same thing uh, to me. We were having a chat. And she said, well, Mark, I think I'll start my day rate or whatever it was. I can't remember the exact prices, but let's say it was the low end of the scale was £300 a day. Um, And I said, well, hang on a second. You've been in corporate life for 25 years doing project management on blue chip companies with big banks. Don't you think that's worth something? She said, well, maybe, yes. Uh, anyway, I encouraged her to rethink her uh, approach. And, you know, eventually I got her to understand that people are buying the whole of her experience. They're buying that 25-year experience, not just the fact that she's only been on the market for, for three months. So we found a different price point, a much higher one, which reflected her experience and then in doing that, you attract the kind of clients that you want. Mm. You just, if you set your prices at, at a low level, you get people, you know, who can only afford cheap prices. If you set your prices at a higher level, you will find customers, maybe not so many, but you will find some that are willing to pay more. So, um, I mean, a really good tip, a really good way to think about pricing, particularly for freelancers, is don't just stick with one single hourly rate or day rate or whatever it is. Um, the key to better pricing is to be able to offer your customers choice, right, around the price that they're paying. So that, that doesn't mean to say um, you've got different hourly rates for each kind of customer. Um, a far be- better approach is to package it up into bundles, okay? So rather than saying, well, it's, it's 40 pounds an hour, Uh, how many hours do you want Mm. you could say well um you know we've got bundles of number of lessons and i'm sure many people do that that's quite common but the more you buy uh, the better the rate so for example you could be saying well if you buy i don't know 10 hours uh, you get a slightly discounted rate 350 pounds so 
Um, you can present your pricing to your customers as either, well, look, you can pay by the hour and it's £40 on an ad hoc basis. And actually, if it's an ad hoc rate, I'd put the price up to £50. Mm. Yeah. Or you can buy on a, uh, a contracted rate and that's £40 an hour. Um, but you have to sign a contract for X months or um, you have to buy X number of hours. Um, and then you can then you can sell bundles of numbers of hours or, you know, the, or the amount of volume. So 5, 10, 15, 20, however many set, sets of uh, lessons people might need. And then they get a slight, slight reduction when they buy more. Now, the advantage of that is that when you present your prices to the clients, they've now got some options and some choice. So rather than saying, well, do I want to, do I want to work with Alexa? Well, yeah, I've heard great things about her. Mm, she's pretty good. She's pretty <laughs> brilliant. Um, but her price is £40 an hour. Oh, can I afford that? Oh, I don't know. Uh, and there's another lady down the road who's also pretty good, but she's £35 an hour. And that's the problem with hourly rates. It tends to end up in a race to the bottom, mm. particularly price-sensitive customers. Whereas if you present, you know, your your options to a, a new customer and say so mr and mrs customer we we can offer you a, a premium package which costs 500 pounds and it includes all of these things it includes 10 lessons it includes uh, recordings of all of our sessions it includes my free uh, ebook on singing tips uh, it includes access to my um, facebook group etc 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 so it's everything that you can do to help the client achieve their goals uh, 500 pounds if that's a bit too rich then i've got another option at 200 pounds which doesn't include um maybe access to the facebook group or the ebook or the recordings and only includes five lessons for example or if, or if that's um not suitable then i've got some um a basic package at 100 pounds and that's two lessons and, a, and a, an evaluation and something else if none of those meet your needs, then we can just do it by the hour and it's £50 an hour on an ad hoc basis and you can just come and go as you please. Yeah, so a number of things have happened in that um, proposition. So the, the most important thing I did there was I mentioned the highest price first. Hmm. And this is really important. So too often, and this, the world of marketing is very guilty of this, is, is you see prices from uh, £9.99, prices from £100 and up. Yeah, But the problem with that is you're anchoring the customer at the low end of the price scale. Mm -hmm. So as they go up that price scale to buy find the product they want, it, it hurts. It's more money. Mm -hmm. Not better. And you, you need to coach yourself to do this. Um, so you need to practice it either on, you know, on a Zoom uh, camera or in front of the mirror. And get used to saying your highest price first. You've got to you know, build up your own confidence so that you're not tripping over your own words whenever you say it. So you can get comfortable saying, yeah, hi, yeah, we've got a number of packages. Our premium offering uh, includes all of these things, X, Y, Z, and that costs £500. We've also got another couple of packages at £200 and £100. Um, or if none of those suits your um, budget, then we we can do it on an ad hoc, ad hoc basis, so £40 an hour or whatever. So you're coming down the price ladder. So you set a high price anchor as the first price that they hear. That's the number that they're going to judge the other numbers against, right? That, and that's the beauty of presenting your pricing in bundles or packages. I call it tiered pricing. You know, I mean, gold, silver, bronze is a 
is a is an overly used term for these kind of things and i don't really like i wouldn't want anybody body to call their packages gold silver bronze but the principle is right you've got a uh, a basic package, a standard package, and a premium package. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you, Alexa, when somebody presents you with three packages like that or three options, which one do you think most people are likely to pick? Probably the middle one. Exactly, the middle one. And so what's why is that? Well, the reason people mainly pick the middle price is because for most people, they can't afford the most expensive price. And they also, they look at the cheap price and think, well, it's probably, it's a bit cheap, but it maybe it doesn't do exactly what I need. So the safe pick is always the middle pick when you structure your pricing like that. So it's the least risky option. So rather than you just going out and saying, well, it's 40 pounds an hour. Instead, if you've gone out and you said, well, I've got three packages of a hundred pounds, 200 pounds and 500 pounds. It's easier to sell your pricing and communicate your pricing like that than just saying, well, it's 40, it was 40 pounds, now it's 45 pounds. That's hard. It's easier and, and it gives you more confidence mm-hmm. to be able to communicate um, packaging um, prices as packages. And then what you find is most people will pick the middle one. Uh, so that's great, right? So we've now lifted our average price up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a way that your listeners could think about in terms of redesigning their pricing to help them, you know, increase their average selling rates. Mm. I'm amazed at the number of people I've talked to this, um, this idea to, and, and what they find is that they were never expecting it, but their customer comes back and they said, tell you what, I'll, I'll take the premium package. Thank you. And they're delighted. So they're amazed. So, you, you, you know, you might only sell the premium package 10 to 20 percent of the time but still that's better than no naught percent of the time isn't it so that's the power of tiered pricing i think and that's one of the best things anybody who's in a coaching training advisory service business can do to move away from hourly rates and try and devise some packages you can base the packages on your hourly rates uh, but but get get smarter at designing a pricing a set of pricing options that you think you customers are really going to like brilliant Thank you. yeah absolutely and then when it comes to passive income so a lot of voice teachers might be looking at doing a little workshop or a course or something they can sell online as a product get paid when they sleep mm. how do we go about pricing that okay so i think it depends on the purpose of the product that you're selling. So it's an online training course, but let's just say that you're not, you know, there's no direct involvement from you on an individual client basis. It's all pre-recorded. So is the objective of that course um, to provide a taster from which your clients might then come and book one-to-one sessions with you? Or, or is it the opposite? Is it that you just want to direct interested inquirers to go to this online course Really, you know, you'd much rather they, they just did the course themselves and didn't and didn't come to you for any uh, specific coaching advice or questions. Or is there some kind of hybrid version where, you know, they're doing the course and then you're run, running a kind of an, an online Facebook group or something like that. So I think the first question is, well, what's my business objective from, from this product? <clears throat> Let's just say then it's just, I genuinely just want passive income. I, I just, I don't want any personal time other than running the program i don't want to be involved in providing tuition 
So, well, what kind of customers? It always starts with the customer. What kind of customers are you aiming at? Are they are they professionals? Are they hobbyists? Are they um, music teachers? I don't know. Um, and then getting a, a really detailed, clear understanding of what what do they want from you know this service? You know, what's in it for them? What are the benefits? And then just estimating a range of willingness to pay. Mm. We use this phrase a lot in the pricing world, willingness to pay. How much are customers willing to pay for the kinds of products products and services I offer? And come up with a range. You don't need to nail it. Just come up with a range. And the, the, the question to ask yourself, the hard question, is what's the most I think somebody be willing to pay for it? So let's say it's, a, so it's an online training course, and let's say, well, the most is £100. And, and the, the low end of the scale, I think, may be £40. So I, now I've got a price range, 40 to £100. And I'm going to set my price points within that price range. So again, ideally, you'll have options on your passive income program, your online training, and you've got a basic module. And let's say that's £50. And then you've got a premium uh, plan. And let's say that's £100. So again, you're providing choice to the customer. Um, and you're using the power of a high price anchor for the premium option so that you know not not many people will buy that option, but most people will buy the cheaper option. And that's absolutely fine. So, yeah, so estimating a range, I think, of your of the upper and lower limits of what people are willing to pay is the first question to ask yourself. And then once you're fairly clear on that, set your price points within that, and ideally with a couple of options. If you can't do options for whatever reason, then just put it somewhere in the middle of that range. I mean, it's a judgment call at the end of the day, isn't it? Mm. Then then once you've got that sorted, you do need to cross-check it, of course, with any cost of materials that you've got, you know, any you know unit costs that you've got to absorb and make sure that you're making enough profit. Mm. But always always. Design your price points, customer, think, think, thinking about your customer first rather than um, unit costs, hourly rates and things like that. Because you'll find that people are willing to pay it. And, you know, it's a, it's a magical thing when you get it right because you're brilliant. I've got this spot on. I've worked out exactly the, the price levels that my customers are willing to pay. And I've got a, a good proposition or solution for them at that price point. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And going into this next segment, I want to try and keep it as lighthearted as possible, not to disrespect its kind of urgent uh, seriousness, but yeah. to cast a little bit of light on something yeah. that might be quite dark for, for many people. Um, so at, at the time of this chat, we're in September 2022. I can't quite believe it that we're entering autumn again. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're in a cost of living crisis and we're experiencing many things especially gas and electric bills going up and wages not necessarily following suit so how does this affect the way we plan our pricing and our pricing plans and strategies yeah so i think i think there's a couple of things to consider there so of all the businesses i've worked with over the last year or so and prices have been going up all of this time I think one of the most important messages people need to appreciate is that customers are more accepting of the need to increase prices. Okay, They might not like it, but they are more accepting, and especially if you're a micro-business, a solopreneur. Um, they will understand that you have a business to run 
It's perfectly reasonable and legitimate for you to need to make a profit and that your costs have risen, you know, whether it's your, you know, hosting costs, your venue costs, whatever it is. So it's perfectly legitimate and reasonable at this time to set the intention to go out to your customers and say prices are going up. So take take comfort and take heart from that, that, you know, a lot of businesses are having to grapple with the need to put up prices. So don't don't be a little mouse and sit in the corner and say, well, I'm not going to do it because I'm too scared, right? Mm. How do we do it? So the, the best thing to do is to give your customers a long period of notice, right? So let's just say we're in September right now, September 2022. Let's just say, let's give all of your listeners a task of increasing their prices from the 1st of January next year, okay? So that's the date from which new prices will apply. Mm -hmm. So we're going to work back from that point, okay? So at the very least, you know, a good business practice is we need to be giving our customers at least a month's notice. Probably longer too, if if you can. So that means they you need to have told them by the end of November at the latest, if you're only giving one month's notice, or by the end of October at best, if you're giving two months notice. So you can do this in a number of ways. And the longer notice you give, by the way, the more the client will feel okay. Um, they're not ripping me off. Um, they're, they're, they're trusting me. It's, it comes from a position of strength and trust, right? So, so we're confident about our business. We're giving you plenty of notice. If you choose uh, to go elsewhere, we'll be very sorry, but this, these are the terms uh, that we need to operate our business on. So, that, so starting today, that gives you just over a month to get your communication plan ready. So whether that's you're going to phone them all individually or you're going to send out an email or um, you're going to meet them face to face, you know, whatever it is, you need to work out that plan. The, the best thing to do, I would say, would be to send out an email. Um, so it needs to be uh, very polite. It needs to be uh, you need to avoid using negative language. Mm-hmm. I want you to only use positive or neutral language in your written communication. So I don't want to hear any expressions like, um, I'm really sorry, but we've got to put our prices up. Unfortunately, our costs have risen. Um, sincere apologies. Don't say any of that language um, because it's it sets the wrong tone. You need to explain why you're putting your prices up. You do it in neutral language, yeah? So you can say, as, as, as um, you know, you could say something like, uh, something like, um, uh, as you as you be well aware, uh, many businesses are uh, experiencing increasing costs at the moment. Our business our business costs have increased by X percent over the last year. Um, therefore, as of next January, we are going to be putting up our prices, our rates by X or Y. Um, now you now need to treat it as a sales exercise. So you now need to re-emphasize all of the positive reasons why they continue to uh, work with you. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, so we still provide the best quality singing coaching in our area. Um, we'll be developing new uh, features and services that we can offer you. Um, you've got my constant attention at all times. Blah blah blah. You've got a you know, list a, 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 a list of four to five reasons why people should continue to, to work from you. And then finish it with, 
give, give them the, the options on what to do. Um, if they've got any queries, they can call you. Um, if they, you know, if, if you've got an FAQ uh, section on your website, you can point them to that and so on. So you're being very open, very transparent, very clear and very honest with your communications. So that, that's the best approach, I would say, um, uh, for, for people, you know, for listeners, if there are solo businesses, micro businesses. Mm. Um, and I think, as I said right at the start, don't be afraid to do this. I know it's scary, um, but take heart from the fact that every business has to do this. And if you don't, you'll be going backwards in profitability. Um, so, yeah, uh, take a deep breath. Uh, write your email communication, put your plan in place and press the send button. It won't be as bad as you fear, I promise you. If you've got 100 clients, three might object and leave. Uh, that will be as bad as it gets. Um, so you're far better off with 97 clients at higher prices than you are with 100 clients at lower prices. Mm. And if you get somebody responding to you with, you know, I, I love our lessons, it's that I find real great value in them, but this is my current situation, I've been, you know, hit hard with the cost of living or whatever that might be, mm. would you advise discounts or de- designing a package for that person? How would you go about that? Yeah, you can. Uh, nothing wrong with that, I think. I think it depends how much you want to keep that client, to be honest with you. Um, so if you really want to keep them, they're a value client and you can see that their situation is difficult, um, then it's a, it's for you, it's a personal decision. Uh, if you, you can either just offer a straight discount or you can offer a slightly um, uh, lower package, uh, you know, with a reduced number of sessions or lessons or whatever you do. Um, so you could you could either say, um, well, look, Alex, I'm sorry, I can't reduce my hourly rate uh, because of all the reasons I, I've explained. But what I can do is, you know, we can agree a fewer number of lessons per month, per week, per period, for example. That's one approach. Um, or you can simply say, well, yes, you know, given our value relationship um, and the fact that we've got a clear um, growth plan uh, ahead of you, you know, where we know where we want to get to. And as long as you're willing to commit, for the next six months, the next year, then I'll offer you a slightly reduced price. Um, don't don't stay at the current price. You know you've got to achieve some increase, otherwise there was no point in the exercise at all. But th- those are two different ways that I think you could that you could respond to that. Mm. Is that okay? Yeah. And is there what what's your opinion on instalment pricing for mm. customers? Yeah, uh, very good if you can do it. Um, obviously, people are very familiar with. Uh, increasingly familiar with installment plans these days you know whether it's paying for consumer goods on credit or or whatever it is so if you can to make it easier to purchase definitely so if you've got a a package and it's 600 600 pounds and you say well you you can pay in three installments of 200 pounds per month Mm. absolutely fine Uh, nothing wrong with that at all a um, couple of things just to bear in mind on that, you know, obviously the risk of bad debt does increase slightly um, if people refuse or can't pay one of the instalments. Um, so you just need to be mindful of that. Uh, how likely is that to happen? So therefore you might, if people want to pay by instalments, you might want to charge a little bit more overall or that they don't get all of the features that they might get if they've paid in full upfront. Uh, because otherwise everybody will pay in installments, wouldn't they? Mm. Uh, 
so yeah, it's great if you can do it. Um, if your invoicing system can do it, if you can, you know, if they, if you can't pay by, I don't know, PayPal or some other system that has an inbuilt uh, payment plan system, then, then great. Uh, I think that's a that's a good thing to do because uh, it's it's another choice for your for your customers, right? So either pay up front. Uh, or you can pay by installment plans. And when you present those choices, you need to be able to really not mind <laughs> which one they take. You say mm-hmm. it's entirely your decision uh, for the client. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about incentivizing mm-hmm. um, plans? So, I mean, I'm just thinking of Costa Coffee because I like a good cup of tea. And uh, they give you the stamp where you get a free cup of coffee or whatever when you've filled out your stamp card. What can we do as voice teachers to maybe incentivize, you know, carrying on lessons or uh, buying another bulk? What would you say there? Yeah, so I think, um, I think, well, I'm not sure I'd be offering cards with stamps on like you get in there. Offer a nice cup of tea. <laughs> you are, yeah, free cup of tea if you have 10 lessons with me. Um, I think, I mean, obviously the simplest thing you can do is bulk deals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you buy... 10 lessons it's x and if you buy 20 lessons it's x at a slight discount and that's perfectly normal so the more you buy the better the unit price basically and it's an inbuilt incentive anyway exactly exactly that so the the client is getting a cheaper rate uh, if they can they can afford to pay more overall um and you know you're getting the commitment so you're it's a win-win um so that's i think that's a perfectly you know reasonable way of trying to maintain the client relationship um in terms of incentives to sign new people up you can you know you can um, buy one get one free you can do a half price offer or just a you know um uh, kind of pay pay for a lesson now and then if you don't like it you get a full money back, back refund you know for whatever it no quibble you know just be generous with things like that so a no quibble refund if you know if you have a taste of lesson and you just we don't get on or you just don't like it or you're too nervous or whatever and just have your money back. So be creative, I think, with your with your pricing methodologies. You know, don't get just stuck in a, uh, a trap of using mm. the same old thing over and over. Uh, mm. Trying different things, I think, is, is a really good uh, thing to do there. Mm. And other than the things that we've already kind of touched upon, is there anything that you think we do need to change drastically or consider more of now that we're in this current cost of living crisis i think you need to be more proactive with improving your prices as i've just outlined and don't be afraid um but over and above that i think my actually i think what i'm saying almost sounds the opposite of this but i think you've got to be even more mindful and careful about what is your business for Mm. so who are you targeting uh, what value are you providing? Um, why do people work with you? And setting a pricing strategy in line with that, which is what you should have been doing all along anyway, of course. But you've just got to be even more focused on it now. So I guess what I'm trying to say there is don't let the whole cost of living thing, you know, crowd your mind out with fear and, you know, um, you know what do I do? focus on the basics of running a good business yeah so you know what what's my value proposition who are my target customers why do people really want to work with me why do i charge the prices i do and just keep reviewing that don't don't treat pricing as an annual exercise 
I think even more so, you've got to be thinking about it two or three times a year. Mm. Are my prices at the right level? You don't necessarily have to change your prices two or three times a year, but you should be reviewing them two or three times a year. Mm. And doing it in line with where your market is at, where your customers are. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm a bit of a scaredy cat, so I probably need to take that on myself. <laughs> and as I mentioned earlier, I'm pretty crap at doing this stuff for myself and my business. So can you point us in the direction of any resources, whether that's blogs or podcasts, um, articles, books that we can read that might not be too dry for the mm. likes of me, um, that we can dip into and really get a handle on this from what you've just said? Yeah. Um, well, I am just writing. Just I have just finished writing my book at the moment. It won't oh, exciting! Yeah, next year, so I can't point you to that right now. But uh, it has been written as a easy to read, easy to understand guide to pricing, rather than it being too dry and theoretical. Mm-hmm. So watch this space. Mm-hmm. If you go on my website, which is pricemaker.co.uk, uh, I've got lots of uh, blogs, uh, articles on there, and some videos and podcasts for previous um, uh, previous guest spots that I've done. And I'm always all about trying to keep things as simple as possible. Right? So that's my my mantra. Um, also on my website, there's a pricing scorecard um, quiz. So you can go on. It takes three to five minutes. Uh, it's self-rated. You answer a load of questions, and it gives you an, uh, a pricing evaluation on your pricing levels. And within that, there'll be some hints and tips about what you know what you need to work on to improve your, your pricing. Mm. Uh, also, follow me on LinkedIn uh, and Twitter. I'm not on Facebook, I'm afraid, but uh, I use LinkedIn and Twitter as my two main uh, channels. So uh, Twitter is The Pricing Coach and LinkedIn is slash Mark Peacock, The Pricing Coach. So you'll find me in both those uh, areas. Brilliant. Well, Mark Peacock, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and your advice today. And we'll be keeping our BDI on that book for sure. (laughs) Thank you so much. Pleasure, Alexa. Good luck to you and all your listeners with their pricing challenges. this podcast don't forget to click that subscribe like and follow button so you never miss an episode of singing teachers talk until the next one though happy singing and happy teaching